Montebello Church Sermons. We want to greet you in the name of the Lord. It's so good that we can get together, though it's by camera. I want to thank the technicians, particularly Deborah, for setting this all up. It's amazing how we were able to get together. I want you to know I've missed you and miss being together. And I just want the Lord to bless you. I've been talking to a lot of you on phone, and I know that you're feeling the isolation, and we know that together as a group, we're having to suffer this together. And I just want God to bless you, and I want to share with you from God's Word a very simple thing, a simple thing concerning faith. Faith is sometimes very hard to comprehend, and people seem to get confused. But faith is a wonderful thing, and I'll try to explain a little bit this morning. I want to explain it for Romans, the fourth chapter, starting at verse 18. The Apostle Paul writes concerning faith, how faith works. And in explaining faith, he turns to the man of faith, who is Abraham. Now, Abraham is not the only man of faith in Scripture, but he is certainly one of the most dominant ones because his faith was so amazing. And you see, Abraham had faith, and that faith was such a way that it caused God to see his self-worth. He declared Abraham to be righteous. Righteous means that you're acceptable to God, you're loved by God, you're pleasing to God. So it's by faith that we're able to operate in a way that God sees and gives us self-worth. It is a gift that comes from God. Now, when it comes to faith, there are those that believe that faith is just believing that which is true. Well, now that's partially true, but that's not all that faith is because faith is far more than just believing something is true. There are some people that believe that faith is having a strong feeling and a strong feeling of assurance, but that's not faith either because that's a feeling that people look for and they try to work up, and that's not faith. The Apostle Paul explains to us how faith works and how it really is able to operate in our lives. And he says this, he says, It was not through the law of Abraham that his offspring received the promise, but that it would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith, for those who live by law are heirs. Faith is of no value, and the promise is worthless, because law brings wrath, and there is no law, there is no transgression. Now Paul says three things he's saying about, about faith. It says that faith does not come in these opposite ways. You see, some people believe that the, what God is looking for is our performance, our acting according to a standard. But you see, that's legalism. And that's why people believe that they're going to be acceptable to God, from God, because they keep the rules. But that is not what faith is all about. You see, if you can keep it by law, therefore, Paul says, it makes faith worthless. You say, how does that work? Well, let's say you have a building in building in the the ceiling is high in the this building kind of like we had in our auditorium that's about 50 feet high and i ask you to come forward and say if you will jump up and touch the ceiling i'll give you a thousand dollars 
Now that's a promise, and I can be very sincere in that problem, but you come forward and I find that there's no volunteers that's gonna say, I can jump up and touch the ceiling. Why? Because it is impossible. And if the promise is so impossible that the re it makes it useless, and the promise becomes worthless because it's impossible to do. So when we try to do it by works, then we actually block out how faith works and the gracious gift of God. So the problem with law is the law can gives us an understanding of what's wrong, and it teaches us that there is a need. Law is not opposed to grace. But you see, if we're living by law, we can't live by grace. Therefore, I'm saying to you, Abraham discovered that he could not be justified by keeping the law. And it actually tells us the reason why is that the law was not given until 430 years after. That's when Moses wrote the law. 430 years after this, Abraham heard about the law, or he was too late to be here about the law, but Moses gave the law 430 years later. So the law cannot justify us because the law wasn't even there. Secondly, it says that the law renders the promise worthless. Well, because it's impossible, and God says, all I want you to do if you want to keep the law perfectly is to obey the law, which means you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 24 hours a day, you say, oh, but I can't do that. That's impossible. So the promise is worthless. It doesn't mean anything. So how is it that we're going to be justified? Well, we are justified by faith. And God gives it as a response to our faith. And God rewards us and gives us the promise. Now, that's why we move ahead in our passage. And Paul tells us, that he gives us the law, and the law shows us what the transgression is. It's, if there is no law, we don't know what's wrong. But the law comes along and says, this is what I want you to do. And you say, oh, I can keep that rule. And you try to love your neighbor perfectly, and you try to love God perfectly, and you find that you fail. That makes the promise worthless. But because he gives it to us by faith, and he gives it to us as a gift. And so here's the encouragement. It is also the fact that when the law comes in, wrath comes in. There is a sense in which when you try to do it by law, you not only cannot do it, but you also experience punishment. You'll remember, if, if you remember our study in the book of Romans, the book of Romans says to us, and God gave them up, and God gave them up, and God gave them up. What is he talking about? He says, God looks at us and says, there's two things in this world. You can say, either thy will be done, we say to God, or God says to us, thy will be done. And God says to us, I'm going to take all the restraint away. And when that restraint is taken away, then our lives begin to fall apart because we're trying to do it by keeping the law. So we need the law to come in and show us our need for the grace of God to work, but then the grace of God must be given. Well, what, what brings in the grace of God? The grace of God is 
the free gift of God to those that do not deserve it. We do not deserve God's grace. We don't deserve that Jesus Christ came and bore our sins on the cross and carried that sin away. And by his death and resurrection, he settles the issue of sin altogether. And it's simply settled here and now. And we receive this by faith. And this is what Abraham did. Abraham believed God. Now he had some obstacles. The promise said, Abraham, you're going to have a seed. You're going to be, have a family. And God's going to bless you. And I'm going to give you a child. And Abraham says, I'm 90 years old, almost 100 years old. And that Sarah has been not able to have a child for 90 years. And she's 90 years old. Can you imagine what it must have been like? Abraham is having devotions with God. He comes home and Sarah's there in the kitchen, says, Sarah, to, to Abraham, I fixed you your eggs for breakfast. What have you been doing? Abraham says, well, I've been out having devotions with God. And God said that he has given me a blessing. And you say, well, what did God say to you? Well, that's kind of a hard thing to explain to you, Sarah. Like when I talked to God, God told me, something very interesting about you. Oh, well, what did God say about me? Well, you better sit down, Sarah, because you may be a little shocked when I tell you this, but God told me that you're going to have a child. What? I'm going to have a child? I'm 90 years old. I've never had a child. How can I have a child? God said it's a promise of God, and here it is, that we're going to believe God because he has promised. And the reason that Abraham believed God and believed God would accomplish this is because of what he knew about God. It's great to know that his object of his faith, the center of his faith, was focused on God. And he said, God who brought existence out of nothing, Remember, God said, let there be, let there be, let there be light, let there be an earth, let there be plants. And when he said, let it be, then it came into existence and it was nothing there at all. And suddenly it is there. And God answered this prayer. You see, when God said, let there be, he is a God that brings life out of nothing. And he is the one that gives life out of death. And Sarah, even though your womb has been dead, we can believe God. Now, Scripture tells us when Sarah heard this, she laughed. God's going to give me a child? How is that possible? But you see, Scripture tells us, is there anything impossible for God? There is nothing impossible. And if we have our faith, not in what things look like, not in the circumstances, but if our faith is in God, then we know that God is able to accomplish those things that he has promised. There's nothing impossible for God. If God wants to give you a child, God can give you a child because nothing can stop God. And this is the grace that God gives. Now we want to read a little further in, in Romans that's verse 16, which reads this, Therefore the promise came by faith, so that it may be by grace, 
and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who were of law, but also those who were of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. It is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And that was the promise that God gave to Abraham. And he said, I'm going to bless you, give you a child, and from that child, there is going to be blessing to the whole world. Now, not only was he, uh, took him out, and he says, I want you to look at the stars in the side. I want you to try to count them. I want you to look at all the sands on the seashore, and I want you to know so your offspring will be. So he promised him a child, even though he was 100 years old, even though Sarah was 90 years old, because they believed God. And when Sarah suddenly felt pregnant and she realized this transformation is taking place, then she was able to cry out with joy, is there anything impossible for God? So Abraham, the secret to faith is not trying to believe that which is not true, but you believe in the God that is able to do the impossible. You see, he looked and he understood that God not only created the universe and he brought life out of nothing, but he likewise was able to bless even the promise that God gave came because Abraham believed God. And because of that faith, we see that Abraham was able to glorify God. Now, notice what it says in our passage. It, in the, it says that Abraham was blessed of God because he believed God. He is the father of a father and in whom we believe. And he gave life from the dead and he called things that were not. He brought them into being. Against all hope, Abraham hope believing, and so became the father of many nations. Just as has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakness in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb, she was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. He regarded the promise of God, and he believed it. And therefore, God blessed him. You see, the secret to faith is not having great energy or great uh, believing and pursuing and confidence and, and security, but it comes when we trust the right thing. God trusted God. Excuse me, Abraham trusted God. And it was Abraham's faith in God that gave him this incredible assurance even though it was something that's hard to believe, even though it seems so impossible, nothing's impossible for God. And when Abraham understood this, he stood by faith with his confidence that God was going to be able to work it out. But we must go on and understand that this object of faith is Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and gave us eternal life. And if our faith is in him, then we believe that God is able to accomplish anything that he promises. And when God promises that he's going to bless us, yes, even this this, this uh, disease that we're going through, this suffering we're going through that's international, it affects everyone, we believe that God is going to be able to bring glory to his name through it all. So let's have faith not 
with our ability to work it up within us or stir up our emotions, but we need to have faith in our God who does the impossible. And that is what he's promising to us. Abraham was told, face the facts. He looked at the facts and the facts said, this is impossible, but God works when everything else is helpless. So here is where Abraham has found the grace of God and helped with him. And so we read in God's word how he pursued all these things. And he was strengthened by faith and gave glory to God. There's your key. He was strengthened and had glory to God. And when he looked at God, he said, God, you're able to do the impossible. You see, God is insulted when we don't believe him. But God is blessed and he's thrilled when we believe him. And when he makes the promise and we say we believe that promise because you're a God that does the impossible, then he is pleased with that faith. He's pleased with the fact that we look and give God the glory. We are fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. And that is why it was credited to Abraham that he was righteous. Righteous, God sees us as self-worth. He gives us worth and value and said, you are very special to me. The word, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us. To whom will credit be given for righteousness? For us who believe in him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. What Paul is saying here, he says, not only was this promise given to Abraham and to Sarah and to their seed and their heirs, but it was given to us today, right now. He says, I want you today to walk by faith like Abraham walked by faith in the past. And I want them to discover, I want you to discover that Jesus Christ is still able to do the impossible. And he is wanting to work through you as you walk by faith and you trust him. And it is that faith in him that is going to give glory to God. Now, it is God that gives life out of death. And he is the one that will bless us. And he makes this life vibrant and vital and exciting. He brings a new life. He brings the Spirit of God. This is an amazing thing. Abraham was a man filled with the Spirit of God. You say, oh, clear back in those times? Yes, back in those times. Because to be able to believe what God has promised, it took faith that was vital in a living God. It was a living faith, and that faith is what he wants us to have. And during this time of crisis, as we go through all of our difficulties, as we face all the, the trials, understand that God wants us to trust him and believe him because he is a God that is able to do the impossible. And God has done all this and gave it to Abraham and then he gives it to us. And he says, today, I want you to walk by faith. So the question I give you and the challenge I give you is where is your faith put? Is it in your faith? No, it is the object of our faith. Our faith is in God, who is able to do the impossible, who is able to give life out of death, 
who is able to guide us no matter how difficult the circumstances. So the bottom line is this, that you need to know simply by faith, God says, if you trust me, I will love you. I will bless you. I will work in your life and I will guide you and direct you because I gave myself and I gave my son on the cross to die for you so that you might know complete forgiveness and complete restoration because I am the God that is able to do the impossible. So the question is, what is the object of our faith? It is God. God who created the universe. God who is eternal. God who is omnipotent. He is absolutely everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows all things. There is nothing that stumps God. He knows everything that's taking place even now. And he says, for my children, I'm going to work all of these things together for good. So I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I just pray for each one as they have gone through this time of isolation. Lord, it's very hard because we need each other. We need that fellowship. And you put us through this time kind of like a, it's a, a test. And it's a test of our faith that we believe you, that you're going to be able to bring glory out of all these things. And so we want everyone to be encouraged and we want them to have faith that God's going to work it all out for his glory, for his praise, because we want your name to be glorified. So Lord, I just pray that you will be with all of our dear friends, that you will protect them and you will give them faith during these days that lie ahead. And we're going to give you the praise and the glory. Amen. Montebello Church Sermons.